All right. Uh, thanks again for listening in. Uh, we are joined again by Crystal Ray Jesuit head coach Stanley Clay. Uh, last on Monday's episode, we talked about the racial issues and bias that uh, the black community faces uh, in Minneapolis and also across across the country and around the world. Uh, today, Coach Clay's done a really good job with his high school, so we're gonna uh, let him talk about little X's and O's, little program building type stuff. But Coach, thanks uh, thanks for joining us again, second time in a week. Thanks for having me. Uh, so first thing we always do is talk about your coaching Wikipedia page. Uh, where are you from? Where'd you play? And what led you to Crystal Ray? I am from Minneapolis. Um, went to high school at Holy Angels for a year. And then I transferred to Richfield. And that was where I graduated high school. Um, I actually didn't play varsity basketball. Um, I think the highest level I played was C-Squad. Um, and started coaching. I coached my, started an AAU program called the Coach Stan Bulldogs. And that was in 2008. Um, ran that program for about three years. And then Bloomington Kennedy inquired about a ninth grade position. And I accepted that in 2011. Um, was at Bloomington Kennedy for a year. And one of the assistants I was there with got the head coaching job at Crystal Ray. And I followed him over there and took over the JV head coaching job. Um, and I was there for two years doing that. Um, the head coach resigned and kind of the rest is history. And I've been at Crystal Ray now. This will be my seventh year as the head coach beginning next season. That's awesome. And uh, you had uh, this year, you, you know, we mentioned off the air after we recorded uh, our podcast on Sunday night. Uh, you mentioned that this year you had a, just a crazy tough schedule. Uh, yeah. You've had a lot of really successful teams. Obviously, you had uh, Jericho Sims, who's down at Texas, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, but this past year, you uh, had St. Croix Prep in your section semifinal game. They were 26-0. and I think you guys had lost to them twice in conference play. And then you beat them, and you pulled the upset off. Uh, and then you're gearing up for your section final. COVID-19 hits. Tournaments are shut down. Talk about the adversity, uh, that, that, how that hit your program, and then how you dealt with that with your, with your athletes. Um, you know, for us being a small school, we've only been in existence for 13 years. Um, we played in two section finals in the last four years. Um, and to, to finally knock them off, um, they're a fantastic, you know, program. They're well coached, they're disciplined. Um, you know, and for us going into that game, we always talked about it was just house money. Um, and, you know, luckily we caught them on a night where they were beatable and, you know, we did some really good things on the court. Um, you know, and as we prepared for the next game, you know, we could kind of watch across the world and you've seen what was going on. You're like, okay, you know, just, just give us a chance to at least play this game. Um, you know, Thursday night they played and we're like, all right, we got a chance and woke up Friday and went to school and went to work and two, uh, two, three hours later, it was like, they're canceled, you know? Um, so for us, it was devastating, um, because, you know, no team in our school history has ever made a state tournament in any sport. Um, let alone we've had, I think, two, two sports programs play in a section final. So it would have been just huge for us to even get on the court. Um, but the one thing that I told my guys and my guys are extremely happy about was we beat off, we, we knocked off a team that was undefeated that nobody in the state picked us to beat. So, you know, for our seniors that graduated, like the last game they played was knocking off an undefeated team, top five team in the state. So that was kind of something we hung our hats on. Um, we wanted to play, but we were also glad that, you know, we were able to at least take our, take our program farther than we had ever taken it. 
That's awesome. Yeah. I know you, uh, it's those real life lessons that we go into coaching that we, you know, it's hard to, hard to replicate that and the adversity that those kids face with that situation. But I think that's, you make a good point that you're able to have that game against St. Croix prep, really good team. You know, we've seen them before in the summer and uh, undefeated, like you mentioned, their number, number two or three, maybe in yeah. the state and their QRF was up there and number four or something like that. So yeah, it's, it's a really big win. And again, ending on a, ending on a high note, definitely for your seniors. Um, your school is a little bit different uh, than maybe most of the public institutions uh, in the state. So just give you the audience just a little bit of background on about Crystal Ray and how, um, you know, just the differences that it is than, than a traditional, maybe your more traditional high school. So um, we've been open for 13 years. We're a work study program. Um, there isn't a school like that in the state of Minnesota. Um, we're, we have a Crystal Ray network of schools across the country, Chicago, Baltimore, um, San Diego, you know, East Coast, West Coast. We're, we're pretty much everywhere. And, and the school is kind of established to give kids who may not afford a private school tuition an opportunity to get a private school education. Um, so once a week, all of our kids go to work and that that job helps pay their tuition. And what we kind of do is we we ask kids what they want to be and we try to get them lined up with jobs and get them introduced into a work environment. Um, so freshmen, for example, will go to work on Mondays and Wednesdays. Sophomores will go on Tuesdays, juniors will go on Thursdays, and then you'll have a swing day where that'll be your Friday worker. Um, we've got over 120 corporate sponsors. So Best Buy, Wells Fargo, Delta Airlines, Ryan Construction, um, they all donate money and they help the tuition so kids are able to just get a really good education. Um, we had 124 seniors this year, 100% graduation rate, 100% acceptance rate into college, um, you know, and that's kind of been the norm, I would say, the last 13 years is when you go to Crystal Ray, you know, you're going to get a, a high-level education in college is expected, um, and they provide, provide such a great platform for the kids to get that education, um, and most of these kids wouldn't be able to afford to get this education anywhere else. Now you've been there long enough uh, since you've seen kids come through ninth grade and then get all the way through their senior year. And so how has, how have you seen kids, how maybe how the work study program allowed kids to, how have you seen kids develop and how have you, how has this allowed you to see them grow as, as people uh, aside from basketball players? Well, I think the most important thing is it, it taps into their thinking and, you know, we, we, we live in a world where most people don't know what they want to be until they get older, but, when you challenge a kid and give a kid at 14 opportunities to say, hey, you can be anything you want to be, and we're going to put you in a job that provides the experience, the tutoring, and the learning, um, you know, the growth part is just is, is what I see day-to-day -day from kids. They're shy, they're quiet, and then they're thrown into these work environments, and they're productive, and they understand, you know, what it's like to be in the job force every day. And then it just matures them. That 100% graduation rate and college acceptance is amazing. And so what are some of the, you know, maybe going outside of basketball here and getting into the classroom, what are some things, maybe it's the mission of the school uh, or what goes on in the classroom that has developing kids to be so successful at moving on to the next level? The teachers, they go the extra mile. You know, we have, we have a strong faculty. Our president, Jeb Myers, he, he goes above and beyond. Um, you know, I work at a public school and, you know, at Crystal Ray, the kids are, the main focus every day. We provide Saturday school. We provide, you know, after school programs. Um, you know, most of the kids depend on school to eat. So we also provide meals at the end of school. So they're able to get a meal to take home and eat. Um, and it's just making sure the kids have the safest, 
productivist environment to be successful. And Crystal Ray does a phenomenal job with that. How does that structure benefit, but also at times uh, make coaching uh, challenging? So uh, the benefits I would say is, you know, you get kids that are mature really fast because they're in these work, you know, work type environments. Um, on the basketball side, when I first started, we were limited to 45 minutes of practice a day. Um, and some of these kids, you know, they might work in Plymouth and, you know, they've got to take a city bus back. So certain days we wouldn't have certain kids. So if you've got a game on Tuesday, you're game planning for that game probably the Thursday or Friday before it. So what you're doing is you're just squeezing game prep for two teams in the one day. And then the next day you just repeat it again because you're going to have a different group that wasn't there the first day. That's crazy. So how do you, I mean, how do you plan that? I mean, do you, between setting up your drills, setting up your scouting reports, I mean, are you using a technology platform to help communicate stuff? Uh, what are some tools you've used to uh, make that uh, as, uh, as seamless of a transition or as, as seamless as a situation as you can? You know, in the beginning, we, uh, you know, we do get two hours of practice a day now. So that is something the school did to uh, kind of help us out to even the playing field. But in the beginning, we, we focused strictly on skill development. Um, we weren't in school and we didn't have the practice time to sit there and focus on scheme after scheme every day. Um, you, you, you just find yourself putting in the same motion offense every day. And it's like, no, we're just going to focus on the skills part. So at least we're able to be uh, have some basketball skill when we're out there, not just depending on a scheme. You mentioned that skill development is something that you're pretty strong at. So, uh, and obviously you had, you had to really be sharp at that and efficient with your time when you only had 45 minutes. I know for us, we're doing our, our, uh, COVID friendly workouts right now where we got nine guys in a the gym. They each got their own ball and their own hoop. And it's like 30 minutes is just like gone and yeah. super quick. So 45 minutes, I'm sure made you really efficient as a coach. Uh, but how talk about some of your things that you do as a skill development, uh, maybe, you know, from a training or a, a workout perspective. Well, one thing we don't do is we don't, um, we don't limit kids to positions. So bigs do all of the dribbling uh, guards do all of the bigs. Um, we focus on, finishing we focus on shooting and we just do a lot of repetitiveness um just working on your your, your memory muscle per se um so for us when we would go through a 45 minute workout we might have 10 drills and we might go four minutes a drill and we'll squeeze a water break in there and then we're just focusing on repetition and competing you know if we're doing a shot drill it's the first one to four makes everybody does push-ups we go right to the next drill same thing um just kind of utilizing the time kind of forced me to say, okay, this is what I have to be better at. Um, you know, and there's a lot of guys that are great X's and O's coaches. Um, but for us in our environment and what we were doing, we had to be really good at skills and we had to be able to minimize our time or maximize our time, I should say, to get everybody on the same, you know, just playing field. So how have you, you know, changed your, obviously your practice structure from 45 minutes to two hours. How, are you still doing a good chunk of that skill development stuff or you have, you, have you gotten to more of a, a traditional uh, practice structure? You know, we focus on skills to begin. Um, you know, now with two hours, we obviously, we're going to more traditional, but the one big thing is we just try to create a competitive environment. Um, with our school being so small, um, you know, some of our talent, the gaps are pretty big. So we have a core varsity group that we, you know, we want to make sure is always competing. So that's one thing we just focus on for two hours. No matter what we do, let's just compete. So um, as a coach, you know, you talk about skill development is important for you. What if you had, you know, 10 minutes, what are two, what are two drills that obviously you've done a lot of skill development stuff in your uh, six years now as head coach. What are two drills that uh, you could share that a coach could go use in their workouts tomorrow? 
We do a lot of finishing through contact. That's something that we do. Uh, our kids, you know, we're not heavy into lifting uh, like most schools. We do have a weight room, but our, you know, our kids are working and they can't always be there. So, uh, all right, we lost coach there for a second. Uh, I think I, I had some internet on my end here. So you're talking about uh, the weight room stuff, uh, how you guys you know, don't have a lot of time to lift. So uh, pick up from there. Yeah, so being that we don't really lift as much, we, we bring out the pads and we work on finishing through contact, both hands. We do a lot of layup drills where you have to do three different layups and each one has to be different than the first. You're going to get hit with a pad or a swimming floaty, some type of contact. Um, the next drill we do is a drill I got from the coach at Rainy River, and it's a 21-point drill. Um, you start at half court, you sprint to the three-point line, catch, back to half court, back to the mid-range, catch, shoot, back to half court, finish at a layup. And what we're trying to get these kids to do is finish under three minutes. Um, and a lot of people go, oh, that's pretty easy. And it's like, well, once you add that condition in part two, it, it gets a little tough. But those are two of the bigger drills we do. Um, obviously we do a lot of a UCLA drill. We do a lot of a fast break drill. Um, you know, really just getting up and down. That's kind of what has been our bread and butter. Um, so as a coach, what are your core values? Um, accountability, effort, and energy. Um, you know, effort and energy. Most people think those are the same thing, but you know, you can have really great effort, but your energy sucks. Um, you know, and are you accountable for your actions every time you step on the court, every time you uh, walk through the hallways of Crystal Ray? So those are three things that we've kind of practiced, I would say, the last three, four years about, you know, those are demands that you have to meet to play at this level. So go into a little bit more detail about effort versus energy. Um, I've seen kids who are, you know, 100% effort, but their body language sucks. You're bringing negative energy, you know. Um, are you rooting for your teammates when they do something well? Are you, are you the first one off the bench to give a guy a high five? You know, are you getting water for people who are playing, you know, and they're thirsty? Like those are energy things to us. If the play doesn't go to you, um, does your body language tell that, you know, and, and as far as effort, you know, you can, you can be a rim runner and give a hundred percent, you know, of, of, of your effort, but your energy just sucks. You're only doing it for a reason um, that is selfish most of the time. So those are two big things we, we try to watch out for. How do you police that or hold guys accountable um, and enforce like, all right, hey, you're, you know, do you bench them right away? Do you have those conversations? Or how do you get your kids, if they have crappy energy, to get better energy? Um, you know, I'm old school, and I always say the best talent plays. Um, and, you know, the people that we've had issues with that have struggled with the energy have kind of been guys that were entitled and they felt like they should play because they're older. Um, and the best way to kind of fix that sometimes is you can have a seat next to me um, and you can watch. Um, we want guys to buy in. We want guys to buy in, not because they want to score 30 points. We want guys to buy in because they want to just get a good result, you know. Um, so, and I have great assistant coaches. You know, we have guys on the bench that that is their kind of, you know, their role is to watch and see who needs to come out, who's, who's not buying in, who's not giving their all. We talked about this uh, in our in our, our pre messaging, but I also I, I seen seen you coach a couple times. Uh, once at the Gopher camp a couple years ago, and then I want to say I never seen Jericho play, so I want to catch him. And then I saw I done a breakdown at St. Cloud State here this past okay. year, and so you're in a, you know obviously a really intense and passionate coach. So 
do you, how do you feel your players respond to that? And do you ever feel like, you know, that when you kind of quiet things down or uh, mm-hmm. maybe you're, you sit for a possession or two, do you feel like your team thinks, Oh crap, what's wrong with coach? And so how do you counter that when you just want to let them play a little bit and take a seat for a second? You know, uh, we've always had like, we, we never had the nicest things. When I first started out, we were wearing reversible jerseys and, you know, we didn't have a weight room and we didn't have a court and we weren't getting home games. So we kind of created this theme. It's always us against whoever we play. It's us against the fans. Um, you know, we're not a, we're not a school where a lot of fans travel. So we we'd walk into gyms and it'd be the 10 guys and the three coaches and maybe five parents. Um, so for me being intense and passionate, I, I think it gives them a, a calming to go. We're not alone. Um, most of the time we're playing teams that don't look like us or environments that don't look like us. So when they feel alone, I'm there to say, Hey, I've got your back. You know, I'll be the loud guy over here. I'm going to be the passionate guy. I'm going to take the attention away from you guys. So you guys can just be kids and play basketball. Um, it's funny you ask, you know, my first job, I coached at Kennedy and I, my nephew was on the varsity and he was watching my C squad freshman game. And he's like, man, you're not yourself. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, you're sitting down. And I always thought like, once I got to high school, I needed to wear a suit and a tie and I had to sit down and not say nothing. But what it did is it really took me away from being who I was and what my kids needed from me was that extra push and that motivation. So if, if I was to sit down for a game, I think they would probably go, what's wrong? You know, <laughs> are we, are we doing something wrong? You know? So I, I just try to bring energy and passion every game. That's a great uh, point you mentioned about your nephew when you're at Kennedy. Cause I think so many times coaches, all right, I want to be like Brad Stevens. It's like, you're loud. You're a passionate, you're energetic person. Like you don't need, you're not going to be Brad Stevens or, you know, guys want to be like yellers, like Tom Thibodeau when he was with the wolves. Like you're not a yeller. You're, you're a quiet, passive dude. Right. Like that'd be who you are. And I think when you're not authentic, you think your players and your fans and everyone kind of sees that and you just kind of got to oh, be yeah. who you are, which is, which is so important. Um, well, and we, we want to embrace the kids for who they are. And I'm just going to be that loud dude. And, you know, I'm going to be passionate. And I'm going to bring it, you know, and in practice, I'm going to talk crap. I'm going to give them everything they're going to get because I want them prepared for when they step on the court. So during games, are you more, you know, getting on the refs, getting on your guys, motivating your guys, calling out sets, what the other team's doing? What's kind of where, what is your intensity uh, kind of coming from? Or what's, what are you trying to um, use it for? I'm, uh, first and foremost, I think my, my passion I'm using for my guys to make sure they're motivated and they're locked in right away. I always have a, a saying, if I'm more passionate than you, we have a major problem. I don't want to be the basketball player. You want to be the basketball player. So it's like, if you're not going to bring intensity, you know, you're going to get barked on from me. Um, the refs, you know, there, we might have some conversations. Um, I think we do a really good job of scouting. So we're able to call out sets when other teams run them. Um, we've got a really good staff that puts together a great, you know, scouting report and we're able to call the sets when they run them and we're pointing and we're up and we're, you know, we're going to be a distraction for your set. And it's not intentional, but that's just what we do. I remember always watching when De La Salle was going to the state tournament all the time when Thorson had his group year in and year out. And I'm like, God, that dude is just hounding his guys and he's on the refs. And then I remember I went to watch them play Big Lake in the state tournament a couple of years ago. Uh, Big Lake was a conference school and Kyle, their head coach, is you know, a good coaching buddy of mine. I'm like, I'm going to go watch. And I just watched Dave the entire time. I'm like, this dude isn't, he's just yelling at his guys. Like, he's like cheering his guys on. He's motivating his guys. And I think that's great. And you know, I'm a lot like that too. And I catch myself like, all right, you know, end of the half, you're trying to kind of, you're, you're looking at, all right, this guy's got two. Do I want to bring him back? 
and your guy's yep. like, dude, why aren't you, why are you just standing there? Why aren't you bringing energy? So I think that's so, so cool that you're like, I like that you're giving your guys the business I practice too. I think that's, uh, you got to be able to have fun, right? I'm sure you you're enjoying to. that as well as a coach. You know, I look at when I was in high school and I look at the fun experiences and I look at the bad experiences and most of my fun experiences came from coaches who, you know, you, you obviously set a, a boundary of respect, but you know, we're, we're together for four or five months. It's like, you are my guys. I'm, I'm spending more time with you than I'm spending more time with my son. So it's like, we have to be able to invest in each other and, you know, smile and joke on each other and just, just embrace and, and, and enjoy the moment. So you, you're at a school that's only been around, like you said, for 13 years, you had 45 minutes of practice time. Now you have two hours. You've really built a help be a, be a part of building up a, a program really from scratch. Uh, Obviously, there's coaches there before you guys got there, but nowhere near what the, what you guys have now. Most of us that coach at a, a public high school, a traditional public high school, we build a program. It might be okay. You're tweaking some things with the youth program, or you're changing your summer structure, or you're putting in a new mentality. But you're really building a program from scratch. And so, what were some of the biggest things that maybe it was your time as an assistant and or now as a head coach that you did to get Crystal Ray to where it is now as a very formidable metro program in the state? Um, we, we, how can I say this? We, uh, we didn't get Saturday practice. I think I've had one Saturday practice in maybe seven years. So it was finding gym time. If it wasn't Crystal Ray for guys to get in and for them to bring their younger brothers and their cousins and their nephews, whoever it was, just to see what we were doing, um, and just expose the brand and then to build the brand is we called every team possible for a game. Um, we didn't, we didn't care if they were a 4A when we were 1A. We just wanted the game, whether we were going to lose by 40 or win by five, um, to build the brand, to put it in people's faces and go, hey, Crystal Ray has good basketball. You know, we're, we're going to show up. We're going to give you a good game. We're going to, you know, do things the right way. We're going to coach our kids the right way. Our fans are going to conduct ourselves the right way. So in my seven years, we've only turned down one game. Um, other than that, if you want to play us, we take the game whether it benefits us or it doesn't, we just want to play, you know, big schools that are legitimate schools. It's, it's hard to get kids when you're constantly playing, you know, schools they've never heard of, but when you can go play, you know, we've been fortunate. We played at Hopkins, we played North St. Paul, we've, we've been in the Tartan tournament. So we've been able to build our brand to a point where we feel like we're respectful. Um, you know, we're an admirable opponent and we're going to give you our best every time. Where are most of your kids coming from? Uh, you know, maybe it's a part of the Metro or, uh, yeah. So we're, how, I'm not saying like, how are you recruiting kids? I'm not, right. I'm not going that way. How, how are you guys getting, I mean, Crystal Ray, you're a private school, right? You don't have a feeder program. Uh, how are you getting kids maybe to your basketball program, but also to your university or your school as a whole? So we, we go to certain schools. Uh, we get a lot of kids from over North. We get some from Maple Grove. Uh, we get some from St. Paul. We get some from Minneapolis. We've got a lot of kids from St. Peter, Claver, Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul. Um, and quite honestly, we don't recruit them as basketball players. We recruit them as, you know, students first because our school is so um, education-based. So, yeah, so we get a lot of kids from St. Paul. We get a lot from Minneapolis, um, over north, Brooklyn Park area. Um, in the past, we would go speak at schools, and um, I would show my face and, you know, introduce myself, talk about the program. But always we're looking at students. Are we going to be able to get kids who are, A, going to be able to handle the workload um, and stay eligible at such a education-based school? 
that's uh that, that's gotta be a, a tricky a tricky part as well i mean any private school uh getting kids in but when you don't have the name of break uh breck or blake or de la salle yep. or kids are just gonna, it recruits itself and you gotta go sell it. so that's just another thing that most coaches don't have to deal with is you know getting kids and filling out enrollment and helping help, helping build the school as a whole uh you also mentioned confidence building with your kids is a big thing that big strength of yours so how do you build confidence and what are some strategies you use to build confidence with your student athletes um we do not do cuts at crystal ray we have never done cuts um i think being a part of something gives you confidence you know and when you've got three teams you can put kids you know they're not to say necessarily fill spaces but give them an opportunity to do something that they wanted to do every kid wants to be able to play a sport in a high school and that that alone builds confidence just being able to do something that you want and then the second thing we do is we try to create environments where we put kids who their strength may be uh, super friendly and then we'll take a kid who may be a little bit shy and reserved and we'll pair those guys up. And what we want the kids to do is we want to bring something out of them that they didn't have in them every year. So going into the year, if you're quiet and, you know, we'll, we'll make certain kids, you have to speak at practice. You have to say a hundred words at practice. We want you to talk, whether it's, you know, a joke or whatever, but just getting them out of their shell because most kids live in this bubble, um, you know, at home and then that bubble extends outside the front door. So we want to just poke some holes in that bubble and let them grow and breathe a little bit. So you, a couple of years ago, you had Jericho Sims, who's uh, playing high major down in big 12 at Texas. How did you keep him motivated in practice? Uh, and also like, how, how did you structure things to keep it, to help develop him? And also at the same time developing uh, the other kids in your program? Um, I got Jericho, his ninth grade year as the JV coach. Um, he played a little bit of varsity. I, I thought he was clearly the best player on that time on the team at that moment, but it just didn't work out for whatever. Um, so when I took over going into his 10th grade year, we kind of just talked about what were some of his goals. Um, you know, he want, obviously wanted to play high major basketball. He wanted to go to the NBA. Um, but the thing that struck me was he wanted to be a leader, and I don't think he uh, knew how. So that was a challenge that we, you know, we worked on constantly and constantly. Uh, it helped, you know, uh, I grew up with his parents. His parents just babysit me as kids. So it's funny how that ended up working. Um, but coaching him was, you know, it was it was the, the easiest job in the world, but it was also the most frustrating job because of his talent level and how good he is and how good he can be. Um, and he was a kid at times, you know, in the beginning we were playing really bad teams and he So we would play bad teams and he would play down to the level of competition at times. Um, you know, and if you know Jericho, he's soft-spoken. Um, he's an extreme thinker. Um, so at times he would give off the vibe that he doesn't care. Um, and that, I think that was the furthest thing from the truth. And it just took me time growing with him as a basketball coach and helping him grow as a person um, to where we got to really see the best Jericho. But for all his basketball talents, you know, I'm, I'm more proud of the person that he's become today at Texas, not the basketball player, but just the person to, to see him come out, come out of his shell. Those are, you know, I think he's probably our biggest example. People use him for his basketball talent, but I think he's the biggest example I could say of a person that's came out of their shell. That's, I mean, that, those are the things that really, I mean, we all want to win section titles every single year, but when you can have that kid that you take on as a freshman and see them become a just light years improved as a person and have their personality grow. And you mentioned the leadership. Those are really the uh, reasons we go into coaching and educating. 
Uh, you did mention, uh, so we'll go X's notes here a little bit. You did mention defense was one of your strengths. So talk about your guys' defense philosophy. Philosophy, Are you man, zone? What are some of your principles or your non-negotiables within those, uh, within your um, defense? We're going to go man all the time. I think we've ran zone probably 10 times in seven years. Um, we've, we've done different variations of a pack line to, to just your basic gap help. Um, I would say you, you give up that baseline, you're going to sit next to me. Um, that is a, a non-negotiable. Um, talking is a non-negotiable. Um, we, would, we would like to hear all five guys talking, um, you know, and there's times in practice where we'll have a guy who's not talking, and it's like your unit's off the floor now. And what eventually will happen is those guys are like, hey, you got to talk. Um, and I, I, I like to have kind of a player-led team. Um, so with defense, we're going we're gonna to fly around. We're going to get up and down 90 feet. We're going to be in your face. Um, we're not rarely going to switch unless it's just, it's just in the scouting report where we have to. But we're going to go high pressure. We're going to look to disrupt what you do. Um, we do some things that, you know, most schools don't do. We, we, we will play a team and we'll take a guy out of help and we will ball deny you for 90 feet. Um, and we've, we've had some luck with that to where it really just disrupts offenses. We, we try to focus on taking away every set and everything you do, and that's what we'll work on in practice. And then when we get to that point, we're just going to be in your face, just strictly ball denial. Um, you know, we, uh, we played some big guys. We played David Roddy, and everybody thought we would go zone, and we, we went man-to-man on him. Um, it's just what we do. It's, it's, it's our principle. We're going we're, we're gonna to stick to what we do. How do you teach your kids or when do you teach your kids to go double the ball or go try to make a, make a play on the basketball or turn the team over? So we have a, uh, a call out kind of where we, we send a, send somebody and then we'll work on the rotation. So in practice, we, the same guy that we send is usually the same guy, no matter the game. Um, so when we send them, we'll freeze it in practice and then we'll fix the rotations. And we always try to leave the furthest pass from the basketball open. Um, so, 